Get ready to be inspired by the great things happening in rural education. The Rural Scoop will bring you new ideas and innovative solutions, will dive into education issues, and will highlight what's working in your rural communities. You will hear from a variety of educators, administrators, professionals, and others who will provide relevant and engaging content in each episode. And now, serving up the scoop, here's your host, Dr. Melissa Sadorf. Thank you, Rural Scoop listeners, for joining us for a series of uh, interviews that gives us a chance to hear stories from the Rural Schoolhouse from educators around the country. Today, we'll be talking with Stuart Packard, the superintendent of the Button Willow Union School District in California. I'm really looking forward to hearing about his experiences in the last year and learning about the challenges and successes for the students in his district. Stuart, are you ready to give us the scoop? Oh, yeah. Let, let, let's go. All right. Well, first, Stuart, thank you for being here. Tell us about you and your school community. Uh, well, our school community is really based on the whole staff. Um, yes, I have the title of superintendent. And yes, I have to, to bear the responsibility of the role that, uh, that goes with that. But ultimately, um, our school consists of about 50 employees. We serve a town of Button Willow, which is 35 miles directly west of Bakersfield. We have a rural designation. It is traditionally a farming community that goes back into the late 1800s. Uh, started off as an Italian farming uh, community. Mm. Uh, it became very uh, well known in terms of uh, the crops that it grew. Uh, it was traditionally a uh, cotton area. And as the cotton uh, prices dropped for our area. We've now become uh, nuts and tree tree fruit. So we are primarily uh, pistachios and almonds in this area. So that's changed the makeup of the community. Whereas we used to have a very migrant uh, group that came through working on the different crops and all. Uh, we're really much more are stationary. So we have a lot less migrant in terms of really truly migrant people that are moving from one crop to another. Our families are pretty fairly consistent. Uh, we are about 95% um, Hispanic in our community. Uh, we are 94% uh, free and reduced lunch. Uh, we serve a uh, community that is it really needs the school. We're an anchor for the community as we are only, uh, like I said, 1400 people. Uh, although this, the congressional district that our school is in is uh, in approximately the 26th um, uh, highest need congressional district, we have also uh, a very powerful political base that is uh, at the national and the state level that comes out of our general vicinity because we head up toward the Fresno area and we take in some of the Bakersfield area. So it's a it's an interesting uh, community that we serve, but it's very high need in the students that we are serving. So what has the last year been like for you and your school community? You know, uh, when, when you talk to schools around California, you have a very wide range of how schools have opened. Um, when people from around the country think of California, they think that it's San Francisco, it's Los Angeles, it's San Diego, and whatever's happening there must be happening everywhere around the state. And that's really not a very true uh, idea of what's going on in California. 
for example, Button Willow, uh, we've had our, we, we went online completely uh, at the middle of March last year when we were supposed to, uh, yet we had 80% of our kids online because we had seen some things coming. And within eight days, we had 100% of our kids online all the way down to kindergarten with Chromebooks. We had already started the process of getting hotspots into the hands of our kids in January when we thought, you know, let's, this is going to be something that we're going to need to do. And so during that process, we were able to get all of our kids online. We've been able to function really well uh, with that. Whereas schools were like, I don't know what we're going to do about summer school. We offered online summer school. Mm -hmm. Um, Our board decided in June that, you know, when we made a presentation and said, hey, you know what, let's change our traditional calendar. Let's take off that time between Thanksgiving and Christmas, that three week period, and give that a long break. There's the potential the COVID could expand at that time. Well, none of us are doctors. We got lucky and made a good call. So we started school a week earlier um, in the beginning of August, and we're going to go two weeks later to make up for those three weeks. But we also work with a group called California Ed Partners. So we offered that that summer school program. We offered it again as a winter session. So Hmm. our kids were still online and everybody had that opportunity. Um, And we designed a program that would keep kids connected as close to the school as possible during that, that three week additional period. Then we came back and in January, we started saying, okay, everybody can come on campus. We've had kids on campus since October. We started off with 65% of those in October and November. Then obviously COVID got really bad during the uh, the winter time. Right. We went to 55% in our third quarter. And now with our fourth quarter, we're 95% of our kids back on campus at this point. Uh, Obviously, like everybody else, the social emotional learning aspect is 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 a super concern. Yeah. Uh, we are concerned about the learning loss. We're taking our CARES Act money, and we're we've decided that we're going to reduce class sizes, especially in second grade. We're going to take our class sizes down to about eleven per teacher because those are the students who miss the end of kindergarten, and for the most part, a large portion of their first grade year. So. That is such a crucial time for learning, and those kids have missed that. So we want our second grades really to be small classes next year. So I think we've adapted well, and I think if you looked at small schools throughout California, you would also see the same thing. Um, And what most people don't realize is that top third of California is almost all rural. (laughs) That's true. Uh, Anything above Sacramento and a little bit further north than that about Redding, it becomes rural. Um, throughout the entire state, except for a couple of of little mid-sized cities along the coast. But throughout the state of California, I believe our small school districts and our rural districts have done a tremendous job regardless of where they're at. So that that leads me to my next question, Stuart, and that is you've you've spoken about being proactive, which I think is phenomenal in preparing much earlier than the most of us had had a chance and and thought to do. what have the challenges been for you in your district and how have you overcome those? You know, I think the greatest challenges that we've had, because uh, I will I will give a great deal of, of um, positive kudos to our county, Kern County. 
which really had our, our superintendents and districts. We have 47 different districts in Kern County. Wow. Kern County is the fifth largest county in the state of California. We have the largest 912 school district in the state in Kern High School District. We have the largest elementary district. So yet we also have a district of 10 kids in mm. the same county. So what we've had to do is we've had to balance this within our county as to how things have uh, have worked out. And I think the greatest challenge is being able to work in an environment in which we know what is right for our school and our community. And then to be able to share that and say, there might be something that works for all districts, but not doesn't work that way for all communities. And I think the challenge is making sure that people realize that our school is operating differently than a large district or a large urban setting such as Bakersfield, which is only 35 miles away. And making sure that we can do that and, and, and operate efficiently, effectively, and making sure that the all the different organizations that we work with understand that we're different as well as all the other small districts that are serving places and communities. Very well said. Now, you've done a lot of, of growing in your district, it sounds like, over the last year. What are some of the lessons that you've learned that you're going to make sure you're moving forward with into next year when you're planning? You know, when when I think there's there's all the different areas there's there's the leadership aspect and what i've learned mostly on the leadership piece is and it, it and it really is common sense to begin with is we have got to include our folks in the decision making my teachers know a heck of a lot more about presenting a lesson online than i do so if i sat there and said this is the way you have to do it no that's not the way they know what's challenging. And so the, from the leadership part, I've learned to even to a greater degree that I need to include all parts of our staff in the decision-making process. I need to include the food service person as to how we're going to provide and do the food because they're doing that every day. Yes, I go down there and I make a mess in the cafeteria whenever I'm needed. But <laughs> other than that, uh, you know, it's kind of like, Stuart, stay out of my cafeteria. <laughs> uh, and the same thing goes for our buses and our transportation. And as long as those people are included in the decision-making process. So I think that there's the leadership aspect, but the, the educational piece that we're learning uh, is that we've got to listen to those people who are doing it every day. And they are leaders. And we've, we've preached that all of our staff, regardless of position, are leaders from day one, not just uh, through COVID. Right. And so we've, we've always do a staff book that we've done. We've done books by Steve Farr, who is not even connected to education, but has become an important part and an integral part of what we've done in our school. Um, we talk about our uh, OSM and uh, O stands for O, and M stands for moments, so you can pretty much guess what the S could stand for. Um, I think it's shoot. Um, <laughs> we'll go with that. That's something that. Can... <laughs> and so you know we have that, and we've we've uh, we do a lot of what Steve ever said is uh, love, energy, audacity, and proof, which is leap. 
uh, love what you do, have the energy to do it, have the audacity to try something different, and then just prove that it works. And uh, I, we've preached that with our staff the whole time. And so I think that we've we've overcome a lot because that's the other piece. And then we've also done greater than yourself, um, which is find those people that you connect with, connect them with the people that you know, so that the people you're working with can expand to be greater than whatever you are. Um, you know, I don't live in fear of anybody that's on our staff that they're going to get my job. Uh, many times I'll just give them the keys if they want them. <laughs> but uh, so it's uh, it works out really well. And then obviously we've done a lot with uh, Joe Sanfilippo, Jimmy Casas, and Tom Murray. And we've had all of them out to our general area to work with our small schools. So it's really a culture piece that is so crucial. And then once that culture is there, you can get things accomplished. That's right. So to expand a little bit on that, Stuart, how have you found yourself growing as an educator this last year? I would say it, it really just comes down to being open to different ideas and uh, realizing that we can do things differently. One, the size of the school. Um, two, the board relationships. Um, our board trusts us immensely. And so we're very fortunate that we have a board that has allowed us to I don't want to say experiment because we base things on things that we've read. We base things on some research and we try and make those decisions. Although those decisions are sometimes a little more out of the box, we've we've been given the opportunity to think differently and to try things. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll tell our teachers, hey, try something. What's the worst thing that can happen? As long as you're not hurting kids, you're going to learn from whatever you do. Absolutely. That's well stated. So you talked a little bit about your second graders and how you're going to be supporting them uh, in the upcoming year. But as you're planning forward, what does next year look like for Button Willow? You know, as we move forward, we, we have to keep in mind that all of this money that we're getting, this flood of money and uh, from the state, from the federal government, you know, I'm getting an amount that is, is huge. And I have a fiduciary duty to make sure that I'm doing that, using that money correctly. So we are putting it into uh, air conditioning systems, uh, getting a new air conditioning for our gym. Um, So we have that, but we also have the duty to educate the kids, which is our, which is our primary function after safety. And so we are using it to reduce our class sizes. We are, we are, working on creating uh, and bringing in additional school psychologist interns so that we can work with that social emotional piece. We have to realize that what we're doing is also all this money is short term. And so you have to know where your staffing is. You have to know where you're going to be in three or four years financially as a district if things stayed and that extra money is going to be used and it has to be clarified that this is only for a two or three year period. So I think that that's a crucial piece of where we need to be going is looking at you have the short term money and then you got to you're going to be back to normal and what normal is going to look like in two or three years when all that CARES Act and one, two and three are spent. It's going to be hard to say. Yes. Being being proactive about making sure it's uh, strategically applied. Correct. Yes, we have to we have to really we have to be good stewards of the money that we're getting. And 
that that may include giving giving uh, additional um, stipends to people. It may not. Um, we we were way ahead of the game. We gave a we had some good reserves, and we just said everybody in the district gets five hundred dollars uh, back in December. We we discussed it with the board for the first time, but we said okay, we have reserves, but we can't be stupid. But our teachers have been back on campus since August. Our we've run these programs. Let's reward our teachers um, and our staff. So it didn't matter whether you're a two hour noon aide or you were the superintendent, everybody got $500 because everybody had done something. Um, Are there any last stories that you want to tell from your schoolhouse? You know, I really think that the, the excitement to be able to have one of my English learners who came to the United States in second grade and is now an eighth grader. And she had the opportunity, just as we're speaking, but it was a Zoom session for all the rural schools in California. And here I have a student who is a English learner, came in second grade, she's been here six years, and she got to introduce Jimmy Casas to the state of California Small School District Association of which I'm president. And so that was a real treat for me to see a student be successful at such a large level. Um, she had just been on TV recently before that because the, the media finally decided to start talking about stories of schools that had been open, not schools that, wow, we're going to open. No, we've been open. And so she had had the opportunity to be on TV for that. And she just handled herself so well. And I think the, the student stories and our teacher stories of being there at the school, serving kids, uh, practicing all the you know the protection that you have to do under these COVID okay. ideas, but still spending time with kids and families. Um, I, I I can't say enough about the way that our school has responded. And when I say our school, it is our teachers, it is our staff, and it doesn't matter what job. Um, people had at our school, you know, like I said, the two hour noon aide who had to fill in in the cafeteria because somebody became ill and we had to have that person there to, to go on the lunch runs to, as we delivered food to the, to the outline areas and the bus stops so that people would still continue to get their food. So I think it's a whole staff thing. That's, uh, that's the story of our school is, um, our theme is one town, one school, one community. And I think through COVID, that was that was really demonstrated as to what our school, our staff, and our community works together on. Thank you, Stuart, for spending part of your day with me. I really enjoyed learning what's going on in Button Willow, and and congratulations to you and your teachers and community for the progress that you've made in the last year. And best of luck as you move into a brand new school year. Well, Melissa, thank you very much. Um, you know, it, it's it's a pleasure to be here, but it's a pleasure also to listen to what small and rural schools are doing, not only in Kern County, but across California and then through multiple states that we are starting to be connected with. Uh, so it's a pleasure to be here with you. And I know that you're doing great things as well. So thank you very much.
proud member of the Podnuga Network.